Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with Gilbert Clark, who's the new chairman of Meridian Mining. And he talks us through the turnaround exercise he's been through, fundraising, and the things we should be looking out for in 2021 for this story of growth. If you want our thoughts and opinions on the conversation, the topic, and the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports. There's commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities. There's also training videos on there to help you with your diligence process. There's summaries of other interviews that we've done to save you some time. And of course, a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, friendly environment, free from trolling, abuse, or judgment. Wouldn't that be nice? So go to cruxinvestor.com forward slash club and try it out. I think you might like it. Gilbert, how are you, sir? I'm very well, Matt. Thank you. Well, no, thanks, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's a new story to us. We've not spoken before, so I'm um, uh, interested in hearing the story today. So, first of all, where in the world are you? Uh, I'm based just to the uh, just quite close here in the south of France and Nice. That's where my wife is from. I moved here 20 years ago, so I've almost become native. Um, it's quite cool here. It's been a good winter. You, you, you know, you'll. It's another 30 years before you're considered a native down there, don't you? Yeah, it, it, I think I. <laughs> I kind of say this is the hardship posting of the mining industry, but I, it's the hardship. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I've, I've got a house uh, just down the road, I think maybe 80 kilometres away from you. Uh, so I, I know what the locals are like. you got to work hard to be accepted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here. I'm yeah. happy. <laughs> good man. Good man. Well, look, um, thanks for joining us. Like I say, so can you just give us a one minute overview of the business for people new to the story? And then I'll, I'll pick it up from there, if I may. Okay. Uh, well, Meridian Mining is a TSXV listed company. Uh, we have focused on copper and gold development in Brazil. Recently, we've acquired a project that uh, was initially developed by BP Minerals, which is the mineral exploration arm of BP. This was subsequently acquired by Rio Tinto. And basically, when they shut down a small selective underground gold mine, it's been hidden for about 25 years from the public markets. And we've now been able to negotiate the transaction, bring it into the public markets, and we're looking forward to developing it. Fantastic. Appreciate that. And we're going to get stuck into that, I promise you. But I want to give people a sense of the man, and I want to understand what you're like too. Um, because you, you, you came into the company about 2018. You came into a very difficult situation in 2018, and you've been asked to turn it around. So can you give me... When, when, and all of us a sort of sense of what that was that you walked into and what was the task you were given? Well, what I walked into was a company that had a, a, a failed um, investment philosophy. It had a, an unwieldy capital structure, it had a balance sheet that was a complete mess. And it just, when you bring those things together, it just was totally unsuited to the public markets. So what I had to do is address all the issues within the company and make it attractive to equities and just the general investor on the public markets with the TSX. Okay. So, well, just explain that a little bit more. But, you know, so what, what did you have to do? Were, were people asked to exit left or was it just, you know, assess we, well, the, the, the strategy, the assets? Okay. Well, they had a, what they were doing is they were producing manganese in a, a semi-industrial manner. And it, it was just commercially not viable for us. The, the cost of transport, the cost of the commodity, we had a very large workforce. We had some 180 people. Um, and where we were located, it's just unsuited to that commodity, which is 
you know, this bulk commodity. So what I had to do is I had to go through and make sure that we honoured all of our existing contracts, terminate the ones that were un, unviable, reduce the corporate burn. You know, I mean, I think our corporate costs just in travel alone was some $900,000 in one year. So we had to just bring all that under control. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, uh, I can understand the methodology of the, like, the decisions in hindsight were not correct. So what I would then went in and said, okay, what do we have? We've got a very good asset, which was the Espagon project at the time. And really the manganese was just part of a soil anomaly. So we had to say, okay, let's focus on that going forward. But the manganese, that simple manganese operation was shutting down and it was put on care and maintenance in December of 2019. But when I did that, one of the great things about Moodian was it had, and I, I, took, I look at this from the sophisticated investor point of view, I had a management team that was really experienced in operating in Brazil. And I've seen enough uh, companies going to Brazil, flying expats and fail. But what I had is a team that had worked together for a number of years of mining investment professionals from Brazil. And I thought, that's a human resource and I can build something around that. Right. Okay. But in terms of the, the capital structure, financials, uh, that was what? Well, we had, at, at the time, we had about 180 million shares out, of which I think 82% was owned by the Centrum Global Resource Fund 4. And there was debt to the tune of about 23 million US dollars. What that was meant that what could be attractive investors, they couldn't do anything with that. You look at the capital structure, it's illiquid. You look at how much money they owed. I'm not going to invest. So what I did is I went through, spoke to the, the debt holder, the fund managers, and said, guys, going forward, you can have 100% of zero or you can have 10% of something. So what I did, we then sat down with them because they're representing their own investors. I said, look, we will structure it so that you will actually uh, surrender or gift your shares to the company that I've written off. And the debt, we were trading at four and a half, five cents at the time. We converted all the debt at $2.50. So... Half the debt got converted straight away. That was the principal. And the other half we put into a limited recourse loan with a call option at fixed conversion price of $2.50, which is 5.4 million shares. So what we then did is on top of that decision, we could go to the market and say, we're going to raise capital to develop this company because we've got a fantastic project and a really good team. And in my record, I, I open this to the general investors, uh, it's the only occasion in the TSXV You've gone to a capital raise, come out the other side of it, you've got a, only had 80 million shares on issue, and the minorities actually increased their position. So we took care of our shareholders, not only the new shareholders, but the minorities long-term shareholders. So they, everyone, it was a win-win scenario for everyone. Okay. I mean, it's a fairly difficult conversation in one way, but necessary conversation. And as you say, for Sentient, it, it's fairly binary. It's either, all, you're going to have all yeah. of nothing or some of something moving forward. As a public company, it could not continue with that structure. And it was a legacy issue. Right. And again, we had to address that legacy to lay the foundations to grow the company. Right. Are there any legacy decision makers left? No, no, no. We completely restructured the board. We absolutely, um, in with the exit of the fund, the last uh, director that was part of that group was actually a nominee from the fund and he was a great guy and really was part of the turnaround, a guy called Peter Wyman. He departed and we went through a phase where we went through a stability phase and we brought John Saban on, a well-known legal entity from Toronto. He was really there for the stability 
And then we went through the corporate restructure phase, which is the last 12 months. And we had Charles Riopel, and he's a fantastic guy. And now what we're happening, we're looking to the future, the resource expansion, resource development. So I've come on as executive chairman to work with my CEO, Dr. Adrian MacArthur, to drive our latest venture, which is the focus on the Cabasal Copper Gold BMS project. Right. So who are you two guys? What have you done? Have you made shareholders money in the past? I guess that's what people want to hear because coming yeah. in and doing a turnaround is fantastic. But you know, turning the ship around and, and pointing it in the right direction is also important, and they care about yeah, share absolutely, price. Absolutely, and paramount in any investment is how do you deploy your capital and how you manage your equities. So when I did that first raising back in July, we brought in um, a, a completely different balance sheet, completely different um, corporate structure, and that's when you can look at deals, future deal flow, and leverage that. So we then looked at what was in the Brazilian market because we're Brazilian focused. I like copper and gold because we've got basic capex and opex scenarios. You know what these things are going to cost, how they're going to float, and also what makes what are the what are the deleterious, what are the failure issues in these projects. They're well known. So we then came we identified this project called um, Cabasal. And what's lucky about our, the, this project and the team is it's not sort of a team thrown together today. It's not an, a, a group of guys who've never worked in Brazil at the corporate level. We're all very experienced investors. So now what we're looking at is bringing into a investment of the public market, which is Capasal, which is what I like. It doesn't have that exploration or discovery risk. It doesn't have permitting risk. It doesn't have uh, management risk. So it's all about managing the risk of the investment. And making the correct decisions on that investment. Well, that's one. That's one I want to get to um, with you, Gilbert. Is it is about making the right decisions. You know, we, we've seen mm. you know great assets with bad decisions being made, and you know, obviously, outcome uh, obvious. Uh, and, we, and we've seen the opposite. So, the question I was asking was, what, what's your relevant experience? What are you bringing to the table, you, Gilbert? Well, okay. Um, well, I'm. I've worked in private equity for the last 10 years, and one of my role was to do due diligence. So within the fund, a lot of guys have come across my doorway and said, look, we've got this great project. I said, look, this one doesn't suit us or for these commercial decisions or these technical decisions or these production decisions. And this is risk. And then with Adrian, Adrian's been working in Brazil now for, I think, nine, seven years. And so he has the operational experience. He understands the timelines, the legislation, the mobilisation timeframes, how to execute in Brazil. I actually brought uh, Adrian Brack back into the fold of the company in June 2018 for that very reason. And then as we went forward, as I dropped out of the interim CEO role of July uh, 2020, I brought him in as the CEO. So we've kept that continuation of management. And he's been experienced in gold exploration and his PhD is in volcanic systems. So he's a very, very experienced man. Right. So you're the market. By the way, congratulations on your new new role. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, leading from the front. Um, but but saying so you're you're the markets guy, the finance guy as part of this turnaround, and he's the technical component. So you, that's the way you structure and, it. And, and management operation. Very much so. And because this is actually Adrian's first gig as a CEO, and I stayed on to make sure. But when we we came from being um, a Greenfields exploration company with Espigon. And then when we acquired Capasal, it fundamentally changed the direction of the company because instead of being Greenfields exploration, which is quite suitable to a, a new CEO, you've gone into resource development and resource, really it's resource confirmation. And that's a completely different sort of corporate skill. 
So I came in at the just recently, like I said, basically today, to focus on the executive chairman role, to support my CEO, and then focus this company going forward, making the correct decisions to deliver to the investors. Right. So give me those moments last. Well, it's been a couple of years now, right? So these things don't turn around overnight. They don't turn around within a month. They don't turn around in a quarter. They take time to change. But people have long memories, right? So the Meridian Mm. name, I noticed you haven't changed the name of the company and played that game. You've said, we'll take care of fundamentals first. We're going to make those changes internally, balance sheet, et cetera, financing, et cetera. So what are the the big things that you think have made a, a difference to the basic structure of the company to allow you to kind of hit 2021, you know, at, at that speed, as it were. Oh, that's great. Look, um, when we acquired our latest this company, this project, Capital, we, we structured it basically as in um, a private equity deal, whereby as you decrease the risk and increase the value, then there's a vendor payment and so forth. And what we did when we acquired the project was a project that had been predefined by one of the mining majors. Okay, so then you know that all the historical data is done to a Rolls-Royce standard. But what we had is all this data, you know, 600 diamond drill holes, 70,000 metres of drilling, but it's not compliant. So we're taking a, a statistical database that's not compliant from the 43101, going through a process of making that data and information compliant so we can then go forward and, and calculate our first resource statement. And that's a real pivot point because... I see a lot of companies that, and I've evaluated a lot of companies saying, look, we've got these drill targets, we've got this, we've got that. We don't have a, we have a, a defined realised envelope of 400 diamond drill holes and an additional underground drilling. We've got existing historical records on production, so we know what we have. It's, it's interesting, actually, because there's a there's a model which suggests, you know, going in and, and picking up, you know, majors' assets after they've long finished is you can make a, a good living out of that. But here, BP have looked at it. Rio Tinto have looked at it. It's not for them because they need something of a certain scale. So when you are looking at this data, what's it telling you? So, you know, and how do you then describe that to the market? You hit it right on the head. I, I chatted with a friend of mine, ex-chair of BHP, and we, we were discussing this at an early stage. And so look, from my perspective, this is not a major project, okay? Anyone who tells you that, they're just, they're marketing. What we have is a real opportunity to develop the next mid-tier company, okay? We don't have, um, uh, well, by example, when BP sold it to Rio Tinto, Rio Tinto at the same time acquired Kennecott, which was being in Canyon. So you go to the chief CEO of Rio Tinto, I've got 20,000 ounces a year gold project, or I've got Kennecott. What are you going to What are you going to focus on? So they shut down the little things. But when they shut it down, this was just focused on gold with a three grand cutoff. The copper, it's a VMS uh, VMS project. They didn't even really have an understanding of the size of what VMS's deposits can be. So quite correct. I would never come to a a, a Valet or a Rio or one of those majors and say, look, we should look at this, but it's just not within their ballpark. In the, as in, in, as a, a country account, which we could use, it, it's not even a blip, but in a, to develop a mid-tier copper gold producing company, this is absolutely perfect. Okay, so let's, let's talk about the asset a bit, because I, I, I want to get on to how you move this, how you fund this, how you build this mm. and how, over the, the time frame. But let's talk about what it is you think you've got a um, Capasal today, um, mm-hmm. and because I know you've raised a little bit of money uh, recently, so that's going to help. But you've got to be careful about 
the messages you send into the market, given yeah. where you've come from, right? So, so talk, tell me about the, what, what you know today. Oh, that's, I can be very clear. What do I know? Well, I know that um, for five years, the, the previous owner operated a very small selective high-grade gold mine. But at the same time, they did an extensive drill hole program. So my mineralized envelope has been predefined. So I know X, Y, Z. And I also know that where they stopped drilling, it remained open. We know that in 2007, there was a very modern B10 survey done over this project by a third party. And we know that uh, upstrike, down plunge, a long trend, we had quite significant V10 plates. So my central core asset, as we could call that, which is the Cabasol gold mine, is actually the Cabasol copper gold mine. And that's, if we have an historical resource there of some 21 million tonnes at 0.5 copper, 0.5 uh, gold. However, we do know that the base layer of this deposit is quite high grade in lead, zinc and silver. That's not calculated in the copper equivalent. So we know that we've got a lot of upside in this project. It's um, open. We have predefined targets. So again, a company would say, look, I've got this target to test. In this process of confirmation on the drill hole database, I have 400 drill holes that I can target. I'm not going to target all of them because I could run the risk of drilling into voids. That was a small operation. Um, what else can I say about it? Well, um, I know that I don't have metallurgical risk. I know that the, the concentrate they produced there, they produced about 60% of the gold through gravity and the balance went into a copper, copper gold silver concentrate. Um, I know it was a clean concentrate. It was you know, 25, 26%. Sometimes the grades of gold went up to 90 grams. The silver is certainly measured in the hundreds of grams. So all that I'm looking at when I look at this project is the initial discovery risk, lineation risk, that was done. What we're doing is confirmation, a statistical confirmation on that database. Okay. That's, that's a really, and we've actually released some of the information on that. Yeah, no, I've seen that. So it's encouraging. But VMS mm. tends to paint a certain picture to people. You know, it's large. It requires a lot of money, a lot of drilling. I'm interested mm. in your plan for how you tackle it. You've raised 4.3 million Canadian. Great. Yep. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to have to bring a partner in to enable you to do this? Or do you think you've got the contacts and ability to go out and raise more capital to advance the project yourself? Uh, absolutely. We, we've, as we've said, we announced the beginning of the field works. We're actually going to do a 10,000 metre program. Um, the majority of that is going to be focused on the Cabasol gold, copper gold deposit. That's obvious. I mean, that's just the biggest bullseye in the mining industry at the moment. Um, we will, we've got the in-house team of geologists, engineers, country managers, lead lawyers, accountants, human resource, environmental engineers. That was that core team that I kept from our, our historical operation. We've got a great reputation in, in Brazil for how we've actually conducted our work. So I don't have operational risk. Now, yes, we will go forward and of course we'll raise more money. Um, we, we are bringing on I've, I've said this to many investors, we're bringing on a, an asset that's really not been seen in the public market since they broke up autocorporate. This is a really significant copper gold project, de-risk, and we're going to execute the money into the drill hole. So we're, we should be mobilising late, mid to late March with the drill rig turning. Uh, we'll be going through the historical database and picking out which targets, so we sort of kind of know which ones we're going to focus on initially. 
at the same time, and this is a, I see this as a little bit of a failure in the junior market. Uh, companies will come and they'll say, look, we're going to develop resources. Okay, that's great. That doesn't create value. Creating value with assets and tenements and permits is just as equally important as generating resources. Because if a company, a company was to look at us and say, oh, we want to buy you, what permits do you have? So we've got a drill permit. Well done. Well done, guys. That's not going to create value for me. That's a risk for me. So as, even as we advance our resource confirmation and, and hopefully infield delineation expansion program, which we're planning to do starting late March, we're still going to advance all of those uh, associated tenements because I must sort of say this is not an expiration license. This is a mining mining lease application. So we're already quite advanced down that permitting role. You're 18 million market cap though. Yeah, no, we're it's it's well we've only we've come through the project. We closed the financing in December of last year. We've come through the doldrums of the Christmas and the New Year program, and now we're rolling it out. Now we're absolutely rolling out. We see very strong equity growth, and that's a message we're going to get out. I think one of the most interesting things about communication on this project is um, my LinkedIn account and my Brazilian LinkedIn colleagues' LinkedIn account because they're getting hit continually by the Brazilian guys because they know about the project. The international market has not, is not really aware of it yet, so we're going to go out and raise the money. But when we on that capital raising, that was actually quite well supported and oversubscribed by new investors and also existing investors. They're always so, oversubscribed, Gilbert. You know the game. Oh, no, this is good. We didn't have to raise it. We came above. Um, we were very happy with how we did it. And it, it's, it's all about, you know, making sure that you, you keep your investors up to date and focus long term. Well, I, I was just interested that you, you raised the money you needed to raise because that that's always quite mm. telling. Um, what hasn't happened yet because you haven't done anything with it yet is you haven't sort of seen more buying in the market, right? So yeah. the, you, the, the drilling's got to happen. You've got to you've got to be able to come back to the market and say, look, we've done what we said. We know a bit more, and here's the plan mm. going forward. So, how much of that four point three plus? How much other cash have you got? Uh, we're sitting in about 5.1 million at the moment. Right, okay. So how much of that do you allocate to, to the drilling, did you say? Yeah, well, the total drill program is about 4 million. The exploration right. program. So a big chunk of it. So the big part of the plan oh, is dependent on the results coming out of the ground. Yeah, exactly. It's, you're looking at the results coming in the ground and, and I can. we've actually released um, some, a, a, a twin hole that was done in 2015 and that's when we saw the uptick in the uh, silver, lead, and zinc, because I know what we're going to drill. We've released some of the drill holes like the 29 meters at 6% copper, 3 gram gold, 15 at 5. These aren't our numbers. That's BP numbers. And they were reported at the time. So what I have to do now is say, okay, drill hole X, put it next to it, and we'll do that statistical correlation. We, we don't have any surprises about where we're drilling. We don't have any real surprises in the assets we're going to deliver because we've got that information. No, so, so you're kind of doing confirmational infill drilling, which that's is, that's you know, somebody accused you and said, well, that's not very brave of you. You want to sort of understand a bit more. You've got, you've got these, what would you say, 600 holes already or 400? In, across the project, 600 holes. In right. that main deposit, 400 holes. Right. So you're saying, well, that's the, I'm just trying to understand what your focus is, because if you're doing just a little step out from existing holes, it doesn't give you too much new data. So, but that's what's necessary now, you think, just to kind of, get everyone comfortable with the plan. Yeah, it also starts the process of taking that to our independent QP, which we're going to appoint, and saying, 
okay, here's your 400 drill holes. We're going to, here's our 15% correlation of replicated. Yes, tick, I'm now going to accept those 400 drill holes. And all of a sudden, that 600 metres by 700 metres existing mineralised envelope will become a reportable compliant resource statement. And that's just bang. Now, if you look at the historical amount of money that's gone into this project to drill those 400 drill holes, fly that 2,000 kilometres of airborne geophysical survey, the wealth, I mean, the money that's gone into this project, we're now picking up with quite an amazing price. It's, just, it's unbelievable. The equity growth we're going to see in this one is, is not based on sort of speculation. It's based on drill hole fact. So what we're going to do is take BP or slash Rio Tinto's drill hole, put ours next to it, and that validates it. Right. That's, that's why I get about risk. I'm not doing risk. I'm doing resource growth. Brilliant. Okay. So, you, and you're saying that from a position of being able to talk to the market and be able to raise capital going forward, that's the, the way you need to present that data. So this is the best way to spend your four million bucks. Uh, absolutely. But even at the same time, drilling out that or confirming that historical 400 drill holes, we have quite significant V templates directly uh, uh, to the west and directly down dip from to the southeast of the existing mineralization. But one of the holes we've talked about and we've put in the, into the markets is I think it's 29 meters at 6%. Now, if you look at our presentations to the south, that you can see V templates. I mean, this is for a junior company to have sort of predefined target of drilling with predefined V templates to follow up on a long striking down dip from your existing mineralized envelope. It is just an unreal scenario for us to have. Got it. Okay, Un understood. So, using the same logic, what would the next step be? You've, you've obviously got to go raise more capital, but what would yeah. you then spend the money on? Oh, look, the next thing I'd do would be to actually start going down that role of um, preliminary economic assessment. We want to say, okay, we, 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 I brought in some really clever methodologists onto this guy called Dr. Phil Mackey's ex Falcon Beach, worked with him for a number of years. So, we're going to make basically just going to take those. Uh, concentrate sales sheets that say it's got X, Y, Z of copper, lead, zinc, um, sulfur, iron. Have him through, uh, if you want to be metallurgical groups, do a, a pilot scale or probably a desktop scale, uh, scale test first just to confirm that because then I confirm we don't have the metallurgical risk. At the same time, we're going to, we've got our, which is really quite important, is our ESCG. Okay. A lot of companies coming to Brazil. How you engage in it with your, with your stakeholders? And there are our stakeholders. So what we do, we take our existing ESCG and we actually invest them into the local community. And our reception from the local community has been fantastic. They remember the employment, the, the good practices that BP and Rio Tinto did when they were operating the mine. So that's where we're going to, we're going to invest into that. Um, I think when I, when I look at the project, I look, I got, you've got a wealth of upside targets, okay? That's great. That's medium to long term. Let's just focus on building that quite significant resource, okay? Focus on that. Once we've defined that, we can do the uh, 43101 statement. Then we we'll do the, okay, the PA. But let's just focus on the low-hanging fruit because this isn't sort of 100 metres down or 200 metres down. This starts at about 20 metres below surface. And... Most importantly, in that part of the world, is the oxide layer is very shallow, so I won't have low recoveries in your in your hard rock flotation circuit. It's the, the oxide layer is about I don't know, between fifteen to twenty four meters. 
So we've got open pit scenario, big, big, thick seams of, of sulfide mineralization. So we're just going to focus on what generates immediate equity growth. Okay. And these are quite significant numbers. You know, we've had, oh, we've published numbers, historical numbers of, uh, I think one was 39 metres at five grams tonne gold and about one and a bit copper. I mean, this is a very rich VMS deposit. Right. And that, that's the benefit for us. It's, it, it's, it's interesting to me, the 18 million market cap today. So I don't think the story is being looked at. And I came into this wondering how much of it was legacy issues. That's why I wanted to understand yeah. how you dealt with those legacy issues and legacy people um, mm. and how much of a new story is this and how much of a new focus and new strategy is it. And it seems to be it's completely new. Yeah, no, no. We, we, we let go of the, the, the artisanal manganese operation, the complex corporate structures. I collapsed on that, cleaned that up. And that was really financed by the fund at the time. They helped clean up the company. It was great. And now what we're focusing on is just copper and gold on the Cabasal deposit. And it is a predefined, um, non-compliant resource, I can't really call it resource, mineralized envelope that we're going to go through now and make compliant. And that's completely changed focus. Right. You know, when we're not looking at a, a bulk commodity, which is highly variable in cost. We're looking at just copper and gold, and we've got upside with the silver and the lead and the zinc. Okay, and so you're not you're not you're not complicating the story with a polymetallic uh, component. You're saying that there will be byproduct, there may be some value there, but right now there's a copper gold story, easy to understand. It's early days, but in some ways we're ahead of the game. That that seems to be what you're trying to tell us. Uh, yeah. We're way ahead of the game in respect to risk. And, and the entry point now for our investors is fantastic. You know, you came in, uh, I can remember the first meeting I had with investors back in 2018, very aggressive. And I said, look, we're just going to clean this up. And then we restructured, they, the, the minorities gained ownership. We've got finance at seven and a half cents with another financing at three times that, 20 cents or just under three times. And now they can say, look, we're not going to go and risk all the money. We're not going to go and risk your equities. We know where our defined targets are. We know what our defined mineralized envelope is. It's a bread and butter commodity of copper, gold. These things are strong commodities. Okay. Um, we don't have, we're not doing new technology. No, we're not doing new technology. That's not what I do. I'm not bringing in a new team of managers like the local that we're continuing that execution that we had in the restructure by the local team to help me um, give focus to the company coming forward. We haven't done dramatic management changes and the bulk of our management team is Brazilian. So again, work local, think global, but (laughs) think global, work local. And that's what we've achieved in this company. Brilliant. Okay, well, Gilbert, look, I appreciate it. It's a first run through the story. You've laid out what you're going to do. Come back on and uh, talk to us when you've done some of those things. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'd love to see how this progresses because there's some unusual advantages, but maybe starting from a low base, which I guess for people looking for uh, a leverage investment mm. might be appealing. Appreciate your time today. Thanks. Thanks for starting that. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.